Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We've been in a series of messages that we've launched out of Acts chapter 15, and we've talked about that the last two weeks, and uh, if, you, if you haven't been with us, I'd encourage you to go back, and you can go online, and you can watch or listen to those messages through our website at toledocalvary.org, um, but I'd encourage you to check those out if you haven't been with us. We've been talking about a series of messages called Trending. How do we deal with some of the trending topics that come to us? We live in challenging times. We live in times where there's a lot of things that come our way that whether through culture, whether through what other people say, whether through our own experience, we wonder, how do I... How do I feel about this? What do I think about this? How do I navigate these things? And so we found ourselves here in kind of our third week. And what we picked up from Acts chapter 15 is a guide to help us to be able to know how to live in these trending times. And, and there were two questions that were being considered. We, we won't take a lot of time there. The one question was, how is a person saved? And we saw that a person is saved, made right with God through Jesus Christ. Salvation comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ, and that's how a person is saved. The second question, though, is how does a saved person live? And what we saw is that when this this group came together in Acts chapter 15 called the Council of Jerusalem, they had to respond to the church and say, this is how a saved person lived. And so they wrote a letter to this Gentile church in Antioch that was asking these questions. And and look at what they said, because this is significant. They said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Now listen here for the things that that you might not understand. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell, and they, they end the letter. And the truth is, when I read that, I go, there's things there I just don't get. What do you mean meat sacrificed to idols? What do you mean from blood or from strangled animals? We'll, we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But what they were writing to a church that understood what that meant 2,000 years ago, they were giving to our church today some clarity in how to think about our trending times. So what we've done with those principles, and we've kind of been unpacking this week by week, we've created for our journey in life kind of a spiritual GPS to help us find direction. And this GPS is a compass for navigating the trending topics of our challenging times. It gives us a guide, it gives us a compass so that we're able to to navigate the trending topics of our challenging times. So we broke this GPS down into some questions to consider. The, The first one, the G stands for God, and it causes us to consider, does this glorify God? This choice, this decision, this activity, this this thing that I'm considering, this thing I'm trying to figure out, does it glorify God? The letter P is people. Does this encourage or discourage others? And the letter S is self. Does this cause me to be closer to or further away from God? We're going to focus on the P today, and and the P and the S are kind of intertwined, and so we'll be talking about about both other people and about ourselves today. And when we look at this scripture, there's this weird dynamic here where they write in this letter and they say, hey, look, abstain from meat sacrificed to idols and and steer clear of blood. They They meant by eating blood and meat that's been uh, from animals that have been strangled. And we said, what does that have to do with anything? It might not make sense to us, but it was a big deal in that time. See, there were two groups of people in the church. There were Gentiles and there were Jews. And they were writing to this church and saying, look, those those things that have to do with, with meat, 
were all connected to the idolatrous worship that they would have when they worshiped their false gods and their idols. And a lot of it had to do with the sacrifices that they would offer. And then the meat from those sacrifices would work its way into their diet. And what they were saying was, look, these things that have to do with idolatry, you might want to stay away from those kinds of things because some people in your church still struggle with idolatry. And when they see you doing those things, it's going to maybe cause them to think about worshiping idols again. And there's also Jewish people in your church, not just Gentiles, but Jewish people. And the Jewish people have a law that says you're supposed to abhor and stay away from those things, from the blood and the strangled animals. And so what they were saying was for both the Gentiles and for the Jews, these things were an issue, so you need to stay away from these things. And Paul even says this in in his writings. He says, look, the big deal here is not meat. Meat's, Meat's not a big deal. You can eat it. God created it. He said the issue here isn't the meat. It's the conscience. It's how you think about something. He refers to these things as questions of conscience. We're going to try to use an analogy today to help us understand these things. And as we talk about them, we're going to call them yellow light issues. And and here's what I mean by that. A yellow light issue is a question of conscience that may not have a clear right or wrong answer. Yellow light issues are questions of conscience that might not have a clear right or wrong answer. Could be right could be wrong. We're going to use a traffic light as an analogy. The the reason we're using this is because whether you drove here today or somebody else drove you here today, you went through a traffic light at some point. And when you did, when you went through that light, you're familiar with how it works. And, and, And all analogies have limits, but I think this one helps us because some things in life are green. And when you see green, you know that that means go, right? And when you see red, you know that that means And when you see yellow, you know that that means drive faster. That's right. That's right. Thank you, brother. (laughs) I knew I could count on you. Look, and there's things in life like that, right? Some things in life are just green. When you look at God's word, it gives you clarity. When we know that we are supposed to love one another, that's a green light issue, right? Is there any question on whether we should show love to another person? Yes or no? No, there's no question we're supposed to love other people. There's red light issues, though. There's some things that we just clearly know are stops. You, you just don't do those things. Should you lie? Should you murder? Should you steal? Should you commit adultery? No, all those things are super clear. Don't do those things. Those are red light issues. Those have a, have a no to them. But there's a lot of yellow stuff. right? There's these yellow issues that when we get up to them, God's word might not be crystal clear. Do we stop or do we go? Do we move forward or do we avoid this? There's nothing that explicitly says that you can't do it, but it might not be wise for you to do it. Here's what's interesting. When I'm driving and I come up on a yellow light, without even really thinking about it now at this point, I instinctively assess a lot of things before I choose whether I'm gonna stop or I'm gonna go, right, don't you? You kinda go, okay, where am I? And what's my experience with this intersection? And how fast am I going? And how far do I have? And is anybody with me? Is there there somebody in the car with me? And what's traffic like around me? And you sort out all these things and it happens in a split second so that when you see that yellow light, you decide, am I gonna barrel through this thing or am I gonna slow down and stop? Now we do that when we're driving, but what do we do when we come up on these yellow light issues in life? 
I want, I want to give to you two questions today that might be good for us to ask. We see it in Paul's writings as we, as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because he addresses these issues there for a church in a, in a town called Corinth. He writes to them this letter called 1 Corinthians and he writes to them and he talks quite a bit about these issues because there were Jewish people, there were Gentile people, there were these different cultures coming together and he was trying to help them to figure out how do you deal with questions of conscience or what we'll call yellow light issues. I, I wanna give you two questions for yellow light issues and before we consider them, something I'd, I'd, I'd encourage you to keep in mind, in these next few moments, we're, we're talking about some things that don't clearly have a right or wrong. So there's a good chance that I'm gonna say something that you might not agree with. When that moment comes, when I say something that you don't agree with, I just want you to know, you're dead wrong, okay? <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't think that way. Here's the deal, there's a good chance you probably will look at something and go, I don't know, Chad, if I, if I think that way. The reason we're gonna give you a lot of scripture is because as we think about these things, I don't want you to go home and say, this is how it is because Chad said it, I want you to go home and go, what do I do with what Chad said as I think about it in the light of scripture? See, our whole goal in this series is not to tell you what to think, it's to help you know how to think about these trending topics because we can't cover them all and there's probably weird things that are gonna happen in the next 30 days that we won't have any idea that we should be covering, right? And so when we talk about these things, how do we think about these things? I want you to be able to look at scripture and, and determine it for your own self and even beyond that, as we talk about this today, we'll hit a couple specific yellow light issues, but I hope you'll think about what yours is. Like, like what is the place in your life that you just go, I don't know, is this right? Is this wrong? What do I do with this? and then apply God's word to it. Two questions for yellow light issues. They're the same questions basically that you ask when you're driving. Here's the first one. Question number one, could I go too far? In this particular instance, as I'm moving through this intersection in life, could I go too far? Here's what I mean by that. There are times when you have to consider as you're driving, do I barrel right through this thing or is that unwise? Should I stop? Do I have enough time? Do I have enough speed? What, what do I do in this place? Could I go too far? Where this really comes close to home is have you, has anybody heard that, like, like do you know that we have red light cameras in Toledo? Do any of you intimately know that we have red light cameras in Toledo? Like they send love letters to you, anybody? Do you know what I'm talking about? I remember when we first got them, we didn't have them very long here locally, and I was with a friend, we were driving, and we were, we were cruising, and we got to this intersection, and we were like talking about, ah, this is one of the places where they have one of those new red light cameras. Just as we came, as we're coming up to it, the light turned yellow, and my friend hit the gas, because he was gonna make it through, and he was driving so good, they took a picture of him. <laughs> I hope we were smiling, because they sent him a letter. Why? Because he had to make a determination. Am I gonna make it through this yellow light? Am I, could this cause me to go too far? He didn't make it. How are you gonna handle those issues? Paul writes about this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. He says, and he's, he's quoting something that apparently, because he says this multiple times in the letter about these people. Watch the quote that he says to them here. I have the right to do anything you say. So apparently the people in Corinth were saying, look, God has set me free from the law. He has changed my life. I can do anything I want. I have forgiveness. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. Well, I have the right to do anything, but not everything 
is constructive. Apparently, the folks in Corinth were saying, look, I have the right to do everything. Even if the, the Bible doesn't say that it's wrong, other Christians might be doing it. If it's not hurting me, or, or sometimes they might even go, well, some people who are old-fashioned think differently about this, but I have the right to do anything. But when we read this, there's two really explicit questions that I think we should ask because of this verse, and one that, that might be a little bit more implied in this. The first question, when we think about this idea is, I can, I can do anything. The first question is, is this beneficial? Like, like this yellow light thing might not be right or wrong clearly from scripture, but is it beneficial for me to do this? When you see this word beneficial used in the New Testament, it's usually used in this context. It's used to describe something that is good, or sometimes it's used to describe something that is better, or even to say that this is the thing that is best. And when so you come up to one of these yellow light issues, you have to ask yourself the question, these, these uncertain, unclear things, is this good for me? Is, is, this, is this better for me to do than another thing? Is this the best thing that I can do. And what it often comes down to is a matter of us having, we love this, this little phrase here, having self-control. Have you heard of self-control? Look, when, when Paul writes earlier to them in 1 Corinthians 6, look at the language he uses, very familiar here. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, often it's a matter of some of these yellow light issues can actually get to a place where they're having an awful lot of control in our lives. It's not that something's wrong, but its influence in our, in our lives is, is, not light, is not right. And what about self-control? Let's just be honest, I have to think of that when I'm driving, because when I'm driving and I see that yellow light, I'm a lot more gas than I am brake. Anybody else? But sometimes the best thing for me to do is give it a little break. Have a little self-control. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says this, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Why does that matter? Like a city whose walls are broken through. What they're talking about here is in ancient times, cities had walls. Why did they have walls? Well, they had walls so that what was inside of them could thrive. It, it, it gave them a place where they could be protected because the walls then were also a defense for them. It kept enemies out. And when a wall was broken down, a city became desolate and defenseless. And when you and I lack self-control in our lives, we become defenseless and our spirits become desolate. Self-control is a big deal. So Paul says, yeah, you can do everything, but is it beneficial? The second question he asks is, is it constructive? Is this constructive? That word constructive means what we, we would think it means. Does it build something up in you? Is it building something good? Is it making a positive difference in your life? Is it building you up? And if we, if we were gonna pick a little bit on this one and talk about it, I, I think both the beneficial and the constructive would lead us to ask questions about what is it that we put into our minds, through our eyes, through our ears? How do we deal with, with media and with entertainment, with music, with TV, with movies, with, with the things that we watch or listen to online? Those things that come into our spirits 
through those means, are they beneficial? Are they constructive? I'm not asking you if it's sinful. I'm not asking you if it's right or wrong, if it's good or bad. How is it affecting you? Is it good for you? Is it the, the better or best thing for you? Or is it a constructive thing? Does it build something healthy up in you? Or does it have negative consequences? And sometimes we just go, well, I, I can listen to that. There's nothing wrong with it. I can watch that. It's not bad. The truth is, just because you can do something does not mean that you should. Ever said that before to somebody other than yourself? <laughs> Just because you can doesn't mean that you should. There's a preacher from years and years ago named Charles Spurgeon. This quote's interesting. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's discernment. <laughs> and it makes a difference. Is this beneficial? Is this constructive? I think there's one other question that's implied here, and let's, let's look at an example of this. Here's a question. Could this become sin? This yellow light thing, it, it's, not, it's not red, it's not green, it's not bad, it's, it's not good, but where would it lead me? If it's not beneficial, if I, if I don't have a handle on the self-control here, if it's not constructive, if it's not building me up, then what do I do with this? There's a story in the life of one of the, the heroes of the Bible, actually King David, that's an interesting story. For 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse one. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. What's interesting about that passage, it says at the time when kings go out to war, David stayed home. Was that wrong? Well, I don't know. It might, might not have been his best moment. Might, might have been a little lapse in his integrity, but he's the king. He can do whatever he wants, right? He, he can do this. If he didn't feel like it, or if he trusted his guys, or if he wasn't feeling that great, or if he just thought, oh, this is an easy one. They've got this. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a big deal. He just kind of said, ah, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang back. I'm going to sit back. You know, I, I can do whatever I want because I'm the king. I, I'm free to do this. So he makes this decision. But how does this play out? And if you read through the story, you will see it changes everything him, for him. Verse 2, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. And from the roof, <laughs> he saw a woman bathing. <laughs> the woman was very beautiful. <laughs> and David sent someone to find out about her. And her name was Bathsheba. And if you don't know the rest of the story, tonight, after the kids go to bed, read the rest of the story. <laughs> because it's interesting how when David, well, he, wasn't, he wasn't doing anything wrong, he wasn't, but he was in a spot that wasn't good for him, wasn't beneficial, wasn't constructive, he didn't have self-control, and you'll watch and see how it leads him to sin, because in that moment, he looked out and he saw Bathsheba. Doesn't she have a, an appropriate name there? Bathsheba, and it was a bad deal, because he was lacking that self-control. Is it beneficial? Is it constructive? Could this lead to sin? Which kind of sets us up to consider the second question. Number two, the, the first one is, could, could I go too far here? Here's number two. Could someone get hurt? 
Number two, could someone get hurt? You think about it when you're, when you're driving, when you're moving through the intersections you know, of life, you, you go barreling through, you see that yellow light, you do have to ask the question, look, is this safe for me to do? Could somebody get hurt? Could I get hurt? Maybe I have a passenger and I'm gonna, I wanna swing this left turn in before it's too late and it's not that big of a deal because if I don't make it, it's their side, not mine, right? You know, you kinda don't think that way, right? You, you wonder, what about the people around me? What about my child in the back of the car? that's defenseless and buckled in a car seat? What about the other people? What about the traffic? What what about all this? What about the people coming towards me? I've gotta think through these things. In that moment, one of the questions that we have to ask is could someone get hurt? It's actually the same question that Paul asks. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, let's go back. He says, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. See, so he says here, look, look. even though you have all this freedom, even though you, you say you can do whatever you want, realize it's not about your own good, it's about the good of other people. This is critical to see because what is right for you can be wrong for someone else. Chew on that for a minute. Just because you say, well, it's okay, I'm good, this is right for me, but just because it's right for you, that doesn't mean that it's not wrong for someone else. He moves forward with this. Watch what he says, verse 25. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience. Those are those yellow light issues. When when we say meat in the market, when we talk about meat sacrifice to idols, think of a yellow light issue. Think of that kind of thing. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, Eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you that this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. Paul says, look, there's some things that are just right and there's some things that are just wrong and some things are questions of conscience and in those moments, depending on where you are and who you're with, it's not sin. You gotta choose what to do but there may be moments when the person around you, the people that you are with, it could have a negative effect on them and in those moments, you stay away from that thing and you choose the good of that person over your own good in that moment. Here's how he says it in Romans chapter 12. He says, be be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, which is tricky. Because in our culture, we are fiercely independent, are we not? I mean, I stand up for myself. I push for my own rights. Nobody's gonna do it for me. I gotta do it for myself. We think in that way. And yet Paul says, you need to put other people ahead of yourselves. And that's tough for us if for no other reason than we live hectic lives. Anybody? Let's do, a little, uh, let's do a little group project. You ready for this? I'm gonna, I wanna show you a video. It's gonna ask you a question. It's gonna, it's gonna ask you to count something. And so I'm gonna ask you to do this because a lot of you, most of you will probably sit there and go, I'll watch it, but I'm too cool to count. And just for the record, not to hurt your feelings, you're not. And, and so, uh, so we're, we're gonna watch this. Watch this video, kinda, kinda do what it says, and let's, 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 let's see something here. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? Go! Anybody? The answer is 13. 
But did you see the moonwalking bear? Okay, watch him on the right there. You see him? And thriller out the left, right? It's easy to miss something you're not looking for. Okay, honesty. How many of you missed the bear the first time? Yeah, I see that hand. Oh, wow. Why? Because you were so focused on your own chaos, trying to count through your own things, that you missed a crazy thing that walked right in front of you. We do that in life all the time. Anybody? And what Paul says here is, look, you're going to be so wrapped up in yourself, you got to realize this. There are other people who have issues that your life is affecting. There are people right in front of you, and you can't think that your life doesn't matter. We can become so wrapped up in our own life that we fail to be aware of the lives around us. He talks about this over and over again in his writings. First Corinthians, where we're at, he talks about in Romans, he talks about in Ephesians, he talks about in Colossians, he talks about in First Thessalonians. He hits this issue in the book of Galatians very significantly, and look at what he says here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled, look at this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says, if you wanna, if you wanna just get things right, start here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Months ago, early, early this year, we decided that we would do this series of messages and kind of plan it out for where we got to the book of Acts and at this time, so I've been chewing on this for quite a while. And for, for months, I've been talking to different people, either one-on-one -on -one or in small groups, and kind of saying, hey, when, when we get to this trending topics thing, what are some things that you'd like to hear about? And so some of the ones that people threw my way, and we had far too many for us to cover in, in individual messages. I mean, if we tried to give a sermon to each one, we, we wouldn't get through the book of Acts until 2022, and, and we're on pace for 2021. And so, um, so we're not gonna do that. But people ask easy things like immigration, and racism, and gun control. Easy stuff, right? Are you kidding me? I'm not talking about any of that. I value my life, you know, why? Because in this room, we got people with all kinds of opinions. We got people that are on different political spectrums. We've got people whose, whose thoughts have been heated up by what they've heard, what they've read, what cable news says, but by the sides that they lean towards. We ask a lot of questions on these things. These are complicated issues. And you can make biblical arguments on every side of these issues, and guess what? People use the Bible to prove their own issues, right? So this is, this is important, but I want you to see one thing about those issues in particular. Before you make a point of decision one way or the other, these are all people issues. Okay, we just read that passage in Galatians 5, and, and it said that you're not to use your freedom for your flesh, you're to use it for others because you can sum up everything you should do and love your neighbor as yourself. The very next verse, very next verse, look at this, verse 15, it says this, if you, listen to this, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Does that sound like anything you've read lately? <laughs> anything you've seen lately? Look, when you get down to some of these divisive issues, and we don't have time to, to fully explore all of them, just know this, these are people issues. And before you decide one way or the other, and I think there's merit on every side of the arguments on these things, you've gotta know this, when we talk about people, we are talking about people for whom Christ died. And at the end of the day, God, God loves everybody, 
And how does that affect the way that we think? We can't just think on our own without realizing that our actions affect other people. Let's get back to what Paul was saying. We, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, but he talked about this earlier in the letter, in detail. He talked about this in chapter eight. And look at what he said, 1 Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. He says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block. Have you heard that phrase before? Something that causes somebody to trip up, that it does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. He says, look, when you, when you just push through because it's what you want to do, which you can imply selfishness there, right? You have the potential to do something destructive to someone else. We, we once lived in a house that uh, had, a, had a backyard that was all grass, right? And so we had a fence that went all the way around it, neighbors on you know, all, all three sides of the fence, different neighbors, and the, and the yard was grass. And multiple times, different, different neighbors did this. Where we had grass, they, they may have had a, a, a bed that came up that was filled with mulch. And I remember one of them like, had put in this bed of mulch, and so they sprayed some weed killer there on the mulch to keep the, the weeds from coming up, which is not a bad thing. Great guy. No, no evil intention. He's, he's trying to do his best to keep his yard looking nice. Here's what happened, though. Some of that weed killer went over the fence into my yard. And you know what it did to my grass? <laughs> Killed it. So what he did on his side, which was a good thing, it was good for him. When it got on my side of the fence, it was toxic. See, I couldn't handle it where I was because I just had the grass, and it killed my grass to the point that in those different patches, we had to go back and reseed it and take care of it and you know, get new grass that would come there. And you might go, well, that's not right. That's not fair. That's not good. What, what was he thinking? He's a good guy. He wasn't trying to do anything to my yard. It just happened because what was okay on his side of the fence was not good on my side of the fence. You know there's some yellow light issues in your life that might be okay on your side of the fence, but they could be destructive to somebody else? Does that make sense? Let's just, let's just pick for a couple moments on a couple of them. One, one might be in the area, and we've already talked about this, of, of entertainment. I, I told the story a couple weeks ago about my friend Tim, who when he came to Christ, he couldn't go back and listen to some of the old classic rock that he used to listen to when he got high because when he listened to those songs, he got tempted to want to get high again. And so I knew I had to steer clear of those things because I loved him more than I loved that music. Here's what scripture says, Psalm 19:14. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart, the things I put into my heart, the things I put into my mind. May it be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And the psalmist says, look, there's some things that we need to be careful what we do with those things. God, what I put into my heart, is it pleasing to you? And Paul says, hey, can it be toxic to the guy on the other side of your fence? To that person that's over there next to you, could what's okay in your yard actually be destructive to them? Psalm 1914 is interesting because he not only talks about the meditation of your heart, but he talks about the words of your mouth. I've found that, that, that much of what I can do that would cause somebody else to stumble are the things that come out of my mouth. Anybody? We, we were talking about this with some of our staff, and one of our staff members just very honestly said, look, when I hear other people use crude language, 
Maybe even to the point that you go, oh, it's, it's, it's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not good, but it's not bad. It's not sin. I mean, they're just saying something. But when I hear those words, when it's unwholesome talk, it causes me to want to slip into bad habits of how I speak from before Christ changed my life. Does that make sense? That's why scripture says, Proverbs chapter four, verse 24, keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips which I, I know, I don't, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna beat a dead horse. We picked on social media last week. And I, I think social media is a wonderful tool. I mean, even, even just this week, we, we reconnected with some friends we hadn't seen in about five years. And it was cool because even though we hadn't seen them, we were able to keep up on their lives, both the victories and the challenges. It, was, it allowed us to encourage them and it allowed us to pray for them in tough times. It's a good tool. But you've gotta think about how social media affects not just you, but other people. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter eight. Remember when Paul said this? He said, for if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? Now he's talking about random chance, right? Some dude's walking down the street. He looks in off the market and he sees you randomly, kind of just coincidentally eating in an idol's temple. It could cause him to stumble. These days, it doesn't have to be coincidence because it doesn't happen randomly. It happens because somebody posts it online, right? They put the picture of it up there so you can see them eating in the idol's temple. Here's why. What used to be private is now very public in our lives. I don't mean that in a bad way, but just think about the reality of it. When I was a kid and I learned how to ride a bike without training wheels, it happened in my driveway. My mom knew, my dad knew, that was about it. Now a kid learns how to ride a bike without training wheels. Man, we post a picture, we celebrate like they just got a master's degree and found the cure for cancer, right? Isn't that how it, I mean, that's how, is it bad? No, it's not bad, it's awesome. We got our memories out there, we're celebrating, it's a good thing. But you've gotta think about this, the practices of our homes are now the spectacle of the world. And we put those things out there, use that for good and be aware of the influence that you have. Look, when you post something, what you post that you're doing gives other people permission to do the same thing. Oh, well, if they're doing that, and I, I know them from church, if they're doing that, then I can probably do it too and realize that what's good in your yard might be toxic on the other side of the fence. These are critical things for us to think about. Here, here's what Paul's writing to them. If you had to put it into today's language, it would be, hey, hey, Corinth, if you're eating meat sacrificed to idols, and you know that your Facebook friends would, would struggle with that because of idolatry and your followers on Instagram might be offended by that, then don't post it. Just be wise and not post it. In fact, he actually uses hyperbole. He says, look, if that's gonna offend somebody, then I will never eat meat again. He's saying, look, I'll go to extreme measures to make sure I don't offend them. And so if what I post could have the opportunity to cause somebody to struggle, then I will not post that again, Paul says. We've got to realize that we have influence with other people that can be a hazardous thing. There's a, there's a company called The Boring Company. Isn't that an interesting name? And they just created something. That, my understanding is, and I just read about this online, that they did a limited run of 20,000 of these things for people to buy. When, when you see it, it looks like a paintball gun. But when you pull the trigger, it shoots flames. We call that a, anybody? <laughs> flamethrower, right? But you're not allowed to sell and transport flamethrowers. So when they made this, do you know what name they gave to this little toy? They called it not a flamethrower. That was their marketing. <laughs> you can buy a not a flamethrower that is a 
flamethrower. So they have to put conditions out there for people, right? And this is what they said. These were the terms and conditions. When you're buying it online, you had to click on these, um, this agreement. It says, I will not use this in a house. I will not point this at my spouse. I will not use this in an unsafe way. The best use is creme brulee. That's what it literally said. And then they gave to people this disclaimer and they had to check these little boxes that said, I understand the boring company isn't responsible for anything I do, no matter how genius or stupid. The list includes harming others, setting things on fire, burning things to the ground, smoking near the not a flamethrower, putting anything flammable near the not a flamethrower, and showing off, quote, to my friends or romantic interests. They're covering their bases, why? Because they know that a not a flamethrower is a, yeah. And what does it have? It has all the potential in the world to cause all kind of harm and damage. And we fail to realize that the things we do on our side of the fence can have all the potential in the world to cause harm and damage to the people on the other side of the fence. We've gotta keep this in mind. It's a critical thing. So, so when I was preparing for this message and asking people, hey, what, what would be good for us to talk about? Which is a loaded question because you know they're gonna tell you things that you might not really wanna be comfortable talking about. The very, the very first thing that people asked me about had issues to do with sexual morality, and we'll get to that later in the series as we move along. The second question I heard the most was, and we hear this quite a bit from people, what, what about alcohol? Is it right for a Christian to drink alcohol? And this is a question, and if you've not been in the church for a long time or have a background even similar to mine, then you might go, is that, is that even really a question? And, and the truth is, and there's a lot of differing views on this from different people. We're, we're a part of a fellowship of churches called the Assemblies of God. And our longstanding kind of practice has been to encourage people to abstain from drinking alcohol. You might go, well, why is that? We could run through the whole thing, but if you go out to the website AG, like Assemblies of God, ag.org, it's a whole list of what we call position papers that give statements about a lot of yellow light issues, actually, and one of them is abstinence from alcohol, and it talks about that there. But this is an interesting thing. So what do we do with this? For a lot of us that have a, a, a long-term church background, maybe even what, like in the Assemblies of God, what we would call a holiness background, we get to a certain point where we say, okay, what do we do with this? And maybe you were raised this way, maybe you heard this. What does the Bible say about whether or not we should drink alcohol? guess what it is? It's a yellow light issue. Because when you read scripture, you actually see some right and wrong. In, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says very clearly that wine makes the heart merry. And when Paul writes to, the, to, uh, to Timothy in, in his letter to Timothy, he says this, Timbo, a little wine is good for your stomach. And we like that one. And a lot of times I'll hear people say, well, you, you got to understand that wine during that time was actually just grape juice. They were just drinking grape juice, and it was not alcoholic. You tell me, you take grape juice, put it in a clay jar, and put it in the Middle Eastern sun, do you know what's going to happen? <laughs> That's not grape juice. That's grape juice with a little zoo-zoo to it, right? <laughs> so, what, so what do you do with this? The Bible very clearly says that, that wine can be a good thing. The Bible also says this, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. Whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Proverbs goes on to say, verse uh, 29 of chapter 23, who has woe, who has sorrow, who has strife, who has complaints, who has needless bruises, who has bloodshot eyes. Okay, Solomon, we get the point. Those who linger over wine who go to sample bowls of mixed wine, 
Do not gaze at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights and your mind will imagine confusing things. You will be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on top of the rigging. They hit me, you will say, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. When will I wake up so I can find another drink? (laughs) I added just a little something to that there. So there's this uh, whole deal when we look at this that culturally makes it very much a yellow light. Makes it very much a, a meat sacrifice to idols kind of thing because a lot of this has to do with, with, with who we're interacting with and where this fits in our culture. And a lot of people go, look, look, there's cultures all over the world where alcohol is just not even a thing, and that's true, but you don't live in that culture. You live in this culture where it's a yellow light issue. So what do you do with it? There's, there's places in, in 1 Corinthians in particular where Paul says to people, he says, look, I'm going to tell you something, and this isn't me talking, this is God talking. He says, this isn't I, this is the Lord. So I'm speaking with the Lord's authority on this. And then there's other places, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where Paul says, no, look, I'm going to tell you something, and I don't feel like I have God's authority. I'm just telling you this, this is where I stand on this issue. He says very clearly, this isn't the Lord, this is me. I'm, I'm talking to you on this. And he says it because it's, it's a yellow light issue and he's talking to people. I, I want to talk to you just for a minute. And look, look, you'll make up your own mind. You'll, you'll live in your own way. But this will help us to understand maybe how this grid works. Can I, can I talk to you where I land on this particular issue of alcohol? Rhonda and I years ago made a determination that we would not drink. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why and, and let's, let's walk this through. Maybe it'll help us to sort out your own yellow light issue. Here's why I do not drink. And we, we talked about this several years ago when we were on this issue. Here's just six real quick things. Number one, I'm, because I'm a pastor. And that there's, a, there's an expectation that comes in this church, in our fellowship. It's, it's a position of influence. Not, not just because I'm a pastor, but the, but the second thing here is because I'm a leader. Leadership often comes with, with some sacrifice in one way or another because it's our standard in the assemblies of God. As a, as a credential holder, as an ordained minister in the assemblies of God, then that's something that I say that I will steer clear of. For us as a local church right here, our practice has been for years that if somebody serves on our staff or on our board, we ask them to abstain for issues of matters of conscience that we're talking about here. The, the third reason, this is where it gets a little more personal, is because I'm a relative. I, I've been doing some searching into our, our ancestry, and it appears to me that my, my dad's family went through a real challenging time years and years ago because my great-grandfather had a real issue with alcohol. When I look at this on both sides of my family, and Rhonda's as well, I look at it and I go, man, this is a, this is a dangerous thing in our family's history. I have, I have two cousins who lost their lives because of substance abuse. I look at that and go, I ain't signing up for that. Number four, we'll get to this in just a moment, but, but part of it comes because I'm a parent and the example that I hold there. Number five, it's because I'm a, I'm a brother. I'm a, I'm a brother to you in Christ. We all are, are brothers and sisters to each other in Christ, which means that in some way what I do affects you. Just because it's good on my side of the fence doesn't mean it's right on your side of the fence. And here's the deal. I know too many people who struggle with these issues. I know people whose lives and marriages and jobs hang in the balance because of this issue. And just for the record, I don't want to be the one who puts the oil on their slippery slope. And the sixth thing for me personally is, is that I want to be wise. 
There's a passage in, in Ephesians chapter five that, that talks about that as for us to be wise, it says be not drunk but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Know what the times are like and be wise about this. And for me, for us, that's the choice we've made. Now look, it would be completely hypocritical and I want you to hear this because I'm not trying to be judgmental here because I can be very judgy and this isn't it. I'm better than this at being judgy, okay? <laughs> I don't mean this to be judgmental. I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, th- this is where it is for me. And it would be hypocritical for me to say, if you drink alcohol, you're not wise. Because I got my own yellow light issues, right? We all do. But in the midst of that, there's a point where you have to ask, what's, what's wise for me to do? When is it wise for me to do this? Who is this wise? I've got to consider that what happens on my side of the fence and how I handle that question of conscience, that yellow light issue, will have an effect on the other side of the fence. And if I'm not careful, it can be toxic. But this is just how I flesh out this truth. And I, and I give it to you for, for two reasons. One, just kind of pastorally, I'd encourage you, whether it's alcohol or anything else we've talked about or one we couldn't even come close to touching today, that you'd pray about that. That because of Christ's love and sacrifice for you and the Holy Spirit's leading, what, what would he have for you to do? Because we can minimize these things and we can push them aside, but this is a big deal. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. Listen to what Paul says. When you sin against them, whoa, 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 whoa. We were just talking about choices a minute ago, Paul. We were, we were just saying, you know, I, I could do this, but I didn't want it to be detrimental to them. I, I didn't want to cause them to stumble. And do you know what Paul takes it? He says it's not, just a, it's not just a little thing of killing their grass. He says, look, when you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. Super quick, who's, who's this weaker brother that we need to think about? And how does this play out? Well, it, it could be just somebody you know, a friend or family member who you just know that what is on your side of the fence could be toxic on theirs. Could be somebody you go to church with. Could be somebody who knows you're a Christian. Now, let me give you just two super quick that I think you need to consider. One, the, the weaker brother or sister in your life could be, and I, and I would say parents, it is your children because the decisions you make today are influencing them. And you might not see that play out for 10 or 20 or 30 years, but don't you think for a minute that they're not watching how you handle the yellow light issues. And it's shaping them. And it's, it's, it's determining how they're gonna respond to those same things. Know this, what one generation does in moderation, another will do in excess. So think about how you want your kids to see you handle these yellow light issues. Think about what you're trying to teach them. And be careful that the way you live, you don't give up the moral high ground. That you maintain the opportunity to speak into their lives. There's these passages all throughout the Old Testament. Really in the book of 2 Kings, you see it. Where it says that so-and-so followed in the ways of their father so-and-so. That what dad did influenced what the kid did. Sometimes it was following God, sometimes it was chasing after idols. But it has a huge impact. And here's the second person that I would encourage you to think about. Your, your child could be the weaker brother or sister. And then just, just take a minute and realize that you could be the weaker brother or sister. It could be you. I, I ran out of time in, in two of the services last week. But last week I, I told a quick little story about how years ago I'd heard this song just kind of in passing. And I was like, oh man, that's a... That's a great song, a really good song. So I downloaded it on my phone. 
Started listening to it. wasn't a, wasn't a worship tune. It's just a just a tune, right? And I'm listening to this, and this is a great song. But here's what I found: nothing wrong with the song. Like I can't tell you, oh, that's a bad song. You shouldn't listen to that song. Truth is, like like as I was writing this sermon, I started whistling the song. <laughs> right? This is a great song. But in that moment, for whatever reason, I could tell that it wasn't good for my spirit. Like it, it was neutral, right? But it was actually causing me to be in a place where I wasn't getting closer to Christ, but where I was vulnerable to more things in my life that were unhealthy in my life. And I had to say, Chad, guess who the weaker brother is now? It's you. The reason I tell that story again this week, because some of you may have, may have heard it last week, the reason I tell it again is because after service, there were people who came up to me and said, so uh, what's the song? <laughs> and I said, look, I got my song, you got yours. We all have our yellow light issues. And I need to think, how could this affect me? That's why before Paul said anything about what we read at first today, he said this, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Paul says, hey, Corinth, you sure it's worth it? Look, I started out by saying, I'm sure there's some things that we talked about today that, that maybe you didn't agree with, with the way that we talked about it, and that's okay. You run that through the filter of Scripture. You think about what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. I say these things today not to be an authority. I say these things. We want to help you know how to think, not what to think. How do you use Scripture? How do you approach these yellow light issues? And I hope I say it in the same way that Paul said it when he pastorally said, hey, Corinth, is it worth it? For you, for the person on the other side of the fence, could this go too far? Could somebody get hurt? Think about this when you approach these yellow light issues. There's a guy in, in uh, Australia who has this property where for years people have come out with their cameras and even television crews have come out because he's, he's right on the Adelaide River and there's a crocodile that lives on his property. And for years, his, he's got this tiny little dog named Pippa. And for years, this, this little dog has run down and taunted this crocodile. Just barks at it, yips at it, gets right in its face, to the point that eventually the crocodile just turns around and goes down in the river. Gets sick of this little dog. So people are like, oh, this is cool, this is cute. They come out, they take pictures, they write stories. One day, this guy, Kai Hansen, who owns the dog and the property, was out there with some people. There's video of it. And as Pippa the dog went down to the crocodile, all of a sudden the crocodile said, that's it. <laughs> Open his jaws snatched up Pippa, went down in the Adelaide River. When he came back up, he was, he was smiling, <laughs> and Pippa was gone. <laughs> yeah, you animal lovers. <laughs> Hanson, you, you can hear him like screaming on the video, like just kind of crying out. There's nothing you can do at that point, right? It's, it's all over. And he, he said, look, I don't blame the crocodiles. just doing what crocodiles do. And a lot of people have been really critical of him and have said, look, you shouldn't have let your dog do this. And he's just like, look, it was the dog's nature to chase larger animals. Here's the quote. She got away with it for 10 years. <laughs> Here's my challenge for you. Some yellow light issues are like crocodiles. And some of the people on the other side of your fence are like Pippa. And you have a responsibility to do your best to make sure that you don't throw them to the crocodiles. Sometimes your friends are Pippa, and sometimes yellow light issues are crocodiles. Sometimes yellow light issues are crocodiles, and sometimes you're the dog. And I would challenge you to think about this. 
this, this thing in my life. It's not right, it's not wrong, it's, it's not bad, it's not good, it's just kinda, it's kinda, could it go too far? Could somebody get hurt? And could that somebody be you? And so God, we thank you for your word. And God, in just a, just a simple, quiet moment, Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts. God, because we know you don't, you don't come judging us. You don't, you don't come hateful towards us in this. Holy Spirit, you come and you nudge us and you say, look, I just want you to be closer to me. Father, may we consider these thoughts today. Are there things in our lives that if we're not careful could take us too far or cause others to be hurt? Lord, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. Give us self-control. Help us to put our trust in you. Holy Spirit, would you lead us in these issues in our lives? Now, Father, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Lord, would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.